Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. Thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us as always. We appreciate your ministry among us. Well, during these weeks, we are asking the question, what does it mean to walk in the steps of Jesus Christ? 1 Peter 2.21 is, is serving as our theme verse for these weeks. Part of that verse, in, in abbreviating that verse for our purposes, simply saying that Jesus leaves us an example for us to follow in his steps. At some point in our Christian life, there's a, a growth point, a, a maturity point where we begin to understand that what Christ has done and continues to do in our lives is not just for our benefit. It's not just for our blessing. It's not just that we might receive, but that the invitation of Christ as he comes and transforms, as he brings salvation, as he matures us into this new creation that we are, is that we might make a difference in this world. In fact, that as the body of Christ, as the church, that we might be the very presence of Christ in this world. And so just as we see the example of, of Jesus walking through his day, touching and healing and, and making a difference in the lives of others, we too are called to make a difference in the lives of others. Last week, we, we talked about a very difficult subject, the subject of human trafficking and the reality that that's not just something that, that takes place, place in other parts of our country, of our world, but the reality that human trafficking takes place here in our community. It impacts the families and the young women and young men in our community and we ask the difficult question, what would Jesus do if he lived among us to address this question? And so today we continue with this line of thought and, and we come to the place where we recognize the, the struggle and the crisis that exists among many of our children today. Steve and Angela shared earlier about our efforts to reach out to high-risk children in our local elementary school. Crystal talked about the opportunity we have to engage with children that have been removed from their homes and are in foster care and the opportunity we have to come alongside and to, to minister and to just to love on kids that desperately need that experience. I want to direct your attention first of all to a, a psalm. Psalm 127.3. It's on the, the screen for us. This is the contemporary English version, and it simply says, Children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Now, we need to hear that again. Thanks, Stephen, because we need to hear that again because that is not the world and the culture into which this scripture was written. The psalmist is offering a radical, revolutionary way to understand and to receive children into our world. 
the way the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people of that day understood that children were a gift and a blessing was completely countercultural to the world in which they lived. You've heard the saying, children are to be seen and not heard. Picks up on that idea that, that maybe children are more of a hassle than they're worth, an inconvenience, a commodity that we can throw away if we desire. The scripture indicates this in, in the Hebrew and even in the, the New Testament stories of, of Egypt and Rome. Remember when Pharaoh said that all the, the young males would be put to death, all the Jewish young males. There's no value of life there. Just kill them all. Mary and Joseph fled with baby Jesus because Herod offered the same degree that all the males under a certain age should be slaughtered, should be put to death. You see, in antiquity, there was no special thought to children and the need to protect children. And in fact, the history of the world tells us that it's not until the 19th century in France that laws began to be created to protect children, the most innocent and vulnerable among us. In the Middle Ages, children were simply considered to be small adults and were expected to work and were subject to abuse and maltreatment. The practice of exposure was a common practice in much of the world and I should say continues to be a practice in parts of our world today. A family might have too many children to feed, and so the newborn would not be welcome and would just be exposed to the elements, to the weather, to the animals. Imperfect children were especially target to exposure. Children with unclear paternity weren't really welcome into the family, so they would simply be exposed to the elements, and whatever would happen would happen. Girls were especially vulnerable to this kind of treatment. A father might consider a daughter as an extra mouth to feed and not an investment in the future of having someone come alongside to help with the chores and the work of the fields. And so daughters were just laid aside. In the 90s, I had an incredible opportunity to go into Mexico City, and we, we met a, a Catholic nun, a Sister Inez, who over the years, people had just come and left their children at her doorstep. Children that weren't perfect, that had birth defects. Children that were just too much. And here's a woman that said that she would love any child regardless and by the time we visited her orphanage, she had uh, close to 100 children that she was caring for, unwanted by the world. Many just left exposed to the elements before they were found and brought to her. Children have not always been seen as welcome additions to the family. 
In ancient Rome, one-third of all children died by the age of 10 due to disease and different things. But things really haven't changed that much. In 1992, 14 million children died in the world before the age of five because of exposure, because of the lack of basic, basic medical care. In the United States from 1973 to present, 55 million plus abortions have been performed in this nation. And as we talked about last year, 8 to 12-year-old girls are the preferred target of human traffickers. The Scripture says that children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Is this how we treat gifts? Is this how we receive those blessings into our life and into our family? What would Jesus do? Again, Jesus would remind us and proclaim that children are a blessing. They're a gift to be received and nurtured and blessed into our families and into our culture. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, our our key text for the day. Mark 10 verses 13 through 16. Jesus was teaching and, and the crowds were gathering around and there were, I suspect, mothers and, and other adults that were bringing children to Jesus. And so let's pick up the story in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. And he took them in his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands on them. In the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see that he understood that children are a blessing. They're a gift to be loved and cared for and nurtured. Notice in verse 14, he says that we're to welcome the children. He says, permit the children to come to me. You see, Jesus welcomed the children not only into his presence, but he welcomed the children into his arms. He embraced the children. He blessed the children. And oh, how vital and critical it is today that our children receive healthy touch and embrace and love. Studies show that emotionally stable people require lots of holding and touching and nurturing during their infant and toddler years. Those first years of life are so critical. Remember the stories of the, the children in the orphanages in Romania when, when the wall fell down and, and the orphans who had been left alone in their beds for years. The tragic stories of how they were not able to, to function and, and communicate and to, to be engaged socially. Children 
the smallest and most vulnerable among us desperately cry out to be held and loved and nurtured and touched. And do you see here in this example, this story of Jesus, that he is welcoming the children into his presence and he is holding them and hugging them and loving them and blessing them. I suspect laughing with them. Why? Because children are a blessing. But notice the admonition that comes right after the example of Jesus welcoming the children. He says, again in verse 14, do not hinder the children. Do not hinder your children, of course, but but I think as a church, as a, as a culture, we, we cannot hinder our children. But church, here's the reality. Here are the facts of the situation is that children are being hindered all around us. Not in faraway places in Oklahoma. Statistics tell us that one in four children in Oklahoma are at risk of going to bed hungry every night. One in four, 25%, 25 out of 100 children in your neighborhood, in our schools, in the school that's right down the street from you, 25 out of 100 don't know when they leave school if they're going to have anything else to eat the rest of the evening. In 2015, in the state of Oklahoma, there were over 25,000 homeless students. 76% of these lived with friends and extended family. I talked to a principal, not in Oklahoma, in Texas, that, that was dealing with homeless students. He said, I have a quarter of my students that don't spend the night in the same place in consecutive nights. Of these 25,000 plus, 25, plus homeless students in Oklahoma, 76% lived with friends and family and, and probably shifted and, trans, and, and were sleeping in different places every night or every week. 20% of these teenagers, of these students, are living in shelters and motels. 7% are just unsheltered. 27% of our children in the state of Oklahoma last school year either lived in a shelter, a motel, or had nowhere to live except the street. And we discovered and talked about the fact that trafficked girls are high risk in shelters, hotels, and the streets. Do not hinder the children, Jesus says. And yet if we're honest and truthful about ourselves in our community in which we live in, there are hindered children, there are hindered teenagers all around us. Since 1995, Bridges, a, a, a nonprofit that many of you are familiar with, across from Norman North, Bridges has housed over 800 high school students. And in Oklahoma alone... There are around 11,000 children in DHS custody. 
528 of those are from Cleveland County that are in DHS custody in foster homes, foster care. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. What does it mean to walk with children in crisis? What does it mean to recognize that all around us there are children that are in crisis? We cannot stick our heads in the sand and ignore it and hope they will go away because the crisis, the hindering is taking place in our midst. So what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he understood the crisis in our day? It seems to me that he would continue. He would look for ways to bless and to embrace the children. He would look for ways to welcome them into his presence. I wonder what that would look like. It takes us to our second question. What will it look like in your life? What will it look like in our life as First Baptist Church to reach out to the children that are being hindered in our culture, in our community? This time I'd like to invite the Sanders to come and to join me. I've asked them to come to share what they're doing in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of these children that are being hindered in different ways. This is Pasha and Carter Sanders, four beautiful children. Yes. And uh, they are committed to fostering, and they have another child in their home at this time, a, a little boy. Why don't you all talk to us about this crisis? I mentioned that there's around 11,000 uh, children in our, in, our, in our state that are involved in, uh, in DHS care and custody. Talk about the fostering, the need for that, and then talk about how you all uh, came to be a part of the fostering network. You take, you take the first one. Hi. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't like to do this. Okay. Um, we started doing foster care back... I guess last spring, Carter and I, we just really felt like the Lord was telling our family that it was time. Um, you know, we had our four kids. Carter's business is going really well. Um, it was time for us to be challenged, and it was time for us to go out on a limb and do something that may be a little bit uncomfortable, um, but that we saw as obedience to the Lord. Um Psalms 82.3, and the first of that verse says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Um, and I think that's a call to all of us. It's not just a call um, to one or two people over there. Um, we are all to do that. And so for our family and our life, that looked like us doing foster care. So we just started, we contacted a private agency called Angels Foster Family Network. Their table's right out there. You guys can go talk to them and get some good info. Um, but we contacted them. We did an interview, um, CPR class, training day, home study. Three months later, we were ready to go. And in um, July, we got our first placement. We got a little baby girl for a week. And then um, we have the little baby that we currently have. We got him that next week. And we've had him for six and a half months. Um, and he is 
a blessing to our family, and he's stretching us and growing us, and what a joy it is to um, love the fatherless and to live out that command that Christ has for each of us, but live it out in that specific way for our family. Great. Can you, can you talk just a minute about what, how do children get into the foster system? What, what are some kinds of things that, that might happen in a child's life that would bring them to that point of, of being in foster care or have a need for foster care? Uh, a lot of time, it's, majority of the time, it's going to come from neglect uh, in the house. Uh, there's also going to be abuses, is uh, going to draw children into the system. Uh, a lot of it, neglect may be from the, the parents may be addicted to some drugs or some kind of substance and then neglect from there or um, just different situations there. Okay, good. You shared a little bit, Pasha, but, but talk a little bit more how, how fostering children, you've, you've had several in your home now, how's that impact? You said it's a, been a blessing to your family. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about how, that, how that's been a blessing. How has that impacted your kids and, and, and your family life? Yeah. Um, I know it. Carter and I have had different experiences. He's felt different things than I have um, and vice versa. But I know specifically for our children, we see this as having been 100% a blessing for them. Um, you know, we're not, we're not telling them the ins and out details of why this baby is in our home. We're not telling him exactly what his mom did to um, have to lose her baby for a time. Um, but they do, our children know that um, Elijah is our baby. Um, they know that his mom is sick right now and that she cannot care for him. And so right now our job is just to love him and give him his needs um, and show Jesus to him while he's in our home. And eventually they do know that he will go back to her. Um, our goal is not to adopt, our goal is to bridge we want to love. That is another side of foster care. It's not just loving these kids. It's not just providing for their needs, but it's also loving their mom or their dad. These, these parents are not coming from middle-class homes. These parents are coming from the same system that their kids are now in. They were never taught. They don't know how to love and care and give basic needs to their children. So. I have a passion to love their mom as well, and I want to teach her how to change her baby's diaper and how to feed him and how to wash him and just give these basic needs that we see as common sense. But these these moms, they don't know. So Mm -hmm. let's surround them and love them and pray for them, just like we do their babies, because they deserve... They deserve grace, and they deserve to hear about Christ as well. Talk about, as a church family, obviously there's, there's different ways to get involved. As a fostering family in our church, what would be some ways that some different folks could come alongside you all and encourage you or help you or facilitate, resource you? What would be some, some suggestions for? Well, first off, we'd like to say thank you to as a church and as friends and family for uh, assisting us so far. We couldn't do it without y'all's help and y'all's prayers. Um, and the horse cutters this weekend kept Elijah yeah. um, this weekend kind of let us have a little a weekend off um, it, takes a, it takes a lot of people involved it's not just somebody ho- having a child in their home the whole time but just coming over and holding the baby just giving him that t- attention um, uh, not, a lot of these children and the moms they're going to have heard the gospel in their life they will but to let these kids feel it um, to see it, to touch it to, to see the gospel yeah. in that way yeah, um, yeah. 
I'm going to say real quick. Sure. Um, there's two organizations that throughout this journey I've just found to be um, really spot on. One of them is called the 111 Project, and they're based out of Tulsa, and what their goal is, what they're teaching us, is that if one family from every church in Oklahoma took one child, it would end the need for foster care. We would get rid of the orphan crisis. There would be no more children without a family to love them. One family from every church. That's all it takes. Um, so this organization is really awesome, 111project.org. Mm -hmm. And then the other organization is fairly new. It's called the Care Portal. Um, and I'll definitely want to connect with you and talk to you more about it. But they're, they're a connection with the Global Orphan Project. And their goal is loving needs of hurt. Or I'm sorry. I can't read my writing. Okay, bringing the needs of hurting children and families to our community. What their goal is to connect child welfare workers to churches. And those child welfare workers are letting churches know this foster family here in Norman, they need a baby bed. Who can provide that? So it's giving our churches a really good picture of exactly what needs need to be met and maybe you can't take a child into your home but maybe you can provide a baby bed or maybe you can provide a car seat mm -hmm. or some bottles or something that allows a family that's waiting to get a foster child it lets them get that child into their home quicker if someone would give them a baby bed because maybe that's the only reason they can't get the baby right now um, so that organization called Care Portal is a way that churches can really get involved and help these families that are trying to um, help children. All right. Thank you all for sharing. And, and again, if you have any questions, want to see how you could come alongside the Sanders and, and encourage them and nurture them, then they'd love to visit with you some more. The uh, ladies from Angel, the Angel Network system are out here in the foyer. They'd love to visit with you, answer any questions you have as well. Let's pray for the Sanders before we dis we're not going anywhere yet, but uh, <laughs> let's pray for the Sanders and just ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you for the testimony of the Sanders who have seen the crisis in our state, who, who have seen children being hindered and have asked the question, what should we do? What can we do? And I thank you for their willingness, their obedience to, to step out and to welcome a child into their family, to nurture and to embrace and to hold and to love during these days. Lord, bless them. Help us as a church to come alongside and encourage them. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all. So what will you do? As Pasha said, not everyone is, can, can bring a, a child, a, an infant up to 18 years of age into their home. But what can you do? Could you be like a, a Steve Graham and like our Kids Hope mentors? And you know, you can say, you know what? I could give an hour a week to, to go in and visit and encourage an elementary school boy or girl. Maybe your focus is, is just continuing to be a good spouse, a, a good parent, a good single parent, so that your children don't need foster care. As Carter and Pasha said, you know, that step after fostering, the step of adoption. We have several families in our church that, that have adopted children, uh, especially internationally. The blessing that that's been for them. Maybe some of you would just say, you know what, at church, 
I could volunteer and I could, could work, I could teach, I could mentor children or youth in our church. What a, a beautiful stories we heard of our Disciple Now weekend, our Wake Up weekend of the interaction between teenagers and senior adults and sharing their stories and their lives with each other. Oh, that we would have more of that kind of interaction. We need help with workers during Sunday school, during our, our uh, King's Kids times, during worship. How could you be involved in loving and nurturing and filling the gap for some of these children. We're called to walk in his steps. It's interesting. We, we looked at Mark 10. and In Mark 9, there's an interesting story that Jesus uses children. There's, there's this big argument going on about who's the greatest of the disciples and who's going to be the greatest. And in the midst of that conversation in verse 37, Jesus takes a child, a boy, that just happens to be there, and he, he welcomes him into his presence, and he, he embraces him, and he sits him on his knee, and he says this, Whoever receives one child like this in my name, receives me. Matthew puts it this way in chapter 25. To the extent you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. To the extent that we reach out to these vulnerable, many suffering children, these children in crisis, to the extent that we reach out to them, the reality is, it's the extent that we reach out to Christ. And it's in welcoming these children into our presence and into our midst that in very real ways that we experience and we encounter Christ himself. Church, in order, in order for our children to be our future, they must be our today. Together. Let us welcome the children and not hinder the plans that God has for each of them. You see, I believe this is what Jesus would do. I believe this is what we are called to do. What will that look like in your life? Let's pray.